Good morning, church. Happy Thanksgiving to every single one of you. It's a great weekend to be together in church. And it's, uh, there's been some great songs already sung over you uh, and songs that we've sung together about the faithfulness of God, about his blessing for us in our lives. And uh, we've been walking through this series that's called We're Coastline. And the whole point of the series is just sharing our values and why we do what we do. Um, you know, with the name change, we just wanted to reinforce that this is your church. This is the church that you've loved, our values remain, and God is using us um, at, to be a blessing. And so today, the title, of course, it's We Are Coastline, but the title of today's message is We Are Faithful. We are faithful. And you know what? I don't say that just for myself and for you. I say that for 99 years of faithful ministry in Victoria. Amen? amen. Come on, church. Amen? Yes. We've been here a long time. There's a lot of years of faithfulness uh, to serve a city, to love this nation and this island, and we get to be a part of that. And so we've been using Isaiah 61 as a guide. And so I want to give you a verse today uh, that will kind of uh, help us with the theme. We're talking about we are faithful. Listen to this verse. This is your God speaking to you. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Does that sound like a Thanksgiving verse for somebody? Yeah? yeah? Double portion, fill up that plate, have seconds. Okay, so instead of the shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. I hope you're seeing the same thing I'm seeing. God is so generous. Hey, isn't he so good to us? Hasn't he given us what we don't deserve and kept from us what we deserve? Aren't you thankful that it's not shame or disgrace, but it's double portion and inheritance? God has a blessing for you. He wants to bless you. He's generous with you, and he's that way all the time. And so this leads us into our heart in the next three weeks. You know, we're going to be talking about giving. We're going to be talking about money. Um, and the reason why is, you know, we do this every single year around this time, around anniversary time. And we do it because we know what God has done for us. We know that we've received a double portion. We've received an inheritance. Shame and disgrace has been taken away in Jesus. And so every year we reflect at this time of the year on God's goodness and also on being the faithful people that God has called us to be. And so this week, I'm going to talk about the faith, about being a faithful giver. Next week, we'll talk about over and above giving. And the week after that, we'll take our heart for the house offering, which I am always so excited about. All year long, we give, and the Lord uses our church in beautiful ways across the world. All year long, we receive so that we can give out. And so we give globally, we give locally, um, we raise up leaders, we do a lot of stuff with what's given. But one time a year, we focus on the house, and that's what's allowed us to continue the refreshment of the house, the renewal of the facility, which we're all enjoying, and we know we have a bit more to do. In fact, this whole area behind me here which is our future preschool, is now nothing but bare studs on the walls. And uh, we just believe, you know, the asbestos is gone, out with the asbestos, and now in with the construction. So we're believing that God's going to help us uh, with the Heart for the House offering to take that step. I've got more to talk to you about in the weeks to come. 
But you know, people who are generous love it when we talk about money, when we talk about giving. They love it. They actually lean in. And so there are some people that are going, yes, I get it. I do it. I'm a giver. I'm generous. But they're leaning into this message. And I'm going to ask the rest of us to lean in together as well. Because we are unashamed about talking about money because we believe that God has a plan to bless us as individuals and to bless our church so that our church can bless the world. And so we're unashamed about talking about this. And it's probably important for some of you to know that I don't work on commission sales. Okay? Like, I don't get more money because I'm talking about money and you give money. The leadership team doesn't go, oh, Andy, books are looking good. Here's that bonus check. No bonus checks. It's not about that at all. In fact, the leadership team sets our salaries and we submit to them entirely in that. It's also important for you to know that I don't own anything at the church. I mean, maybe a few books in my office, but honestly, my computer belongs to the church, my chair, my desk, it all belongs to God's church. I don't own anything and you individually don't own anything, but together we steward it all. We do it together. We're a family and we do this together. And isn't God good? Look what he's given us to steward. And this is not all that's happening. There's much more happening beyond this room. And so I just want you to know those things before we get started, that there's no motivation here other than God wants to bless you. And the reason why is because he intends for you to bless others, so he wants to bless you. So there's no other motivation here. Some of you might be saying, Andy, we've been talking about renewal. We've been talking about revival. What does this have to do with that? And I would say that I really believe that in many ways, financial barriers are representative of a large stronghold in people's lives. And as a result, if we can break that stronghold, we will break the enemy's back. And when generosity flows, I also believe that that's a picture of God's church being free. Amen? And so that's what it has to do with that. It's like the Lord is revealing to us that in many places, money becomes an idol. It becomes a stronghold. It at least becomes a security blanket. And I think Jesus is saying, put your trust in me in a new way in this new season, because I intend to to do something amazing. And I really believe that with all my heart. So now as we start today, listen, let me just tell you, there's 500 scriptures in your Bible on prayer. There's 500 scriptures in your Bible on faith, but there's over 2,000 scriptures in your Bible on money and on possessions, either the use of it, the direct use of it, or as a story or an analogy in order to help people connect the dots in the teaching of the Lord. So we all come from different backgrounds. We have different spiritual backgrounds, emotional backgrounds, uh, ethnic backgrounds, theological backgrounds. We come from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. Our domestic life is different. Our financial backgrounds are different. And so we come together with one goal in mind over the next three weeks to get the whole church together on the same page with this. So even though we have come from different points of view here me say this. We're going to look at God's word together. And the goal is, is that we learn to live out of the Bible what the church is supposed to be. And so when I talk about the use of money and giving, I want you to understand that this really is a heart issue. It's about what's going on in the heart. 
It's a discipleship issue. So you've heard us talk about discipleship as movement. You need a next step. Listen, I need you to understand you will be stunted in your spiritual development if you don't align yourself with God's word when it comes to your financial life. It is a discipleship issue. It's a heart issue. And so I'm going to say this as sort of an opening phrase for the message. A faithful heart gives generously and starts with a tithe. This is where generosity begins, the faithful heart. Look at this verse with me, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided where? In your heart. That's where the decision is made. It's a heart issue. Decide in the heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing here? Giving is a heart issue. And faithfulness is to decide and then to do it. That's what faithfulness is. And I get to do that cheerfully. Listen, no one's forcing anybody to give. That's not, that, that's not the pressure. It's not about being compulsive. I'm not going to take the offering at the end of the service. We're not doing that because that's not the point. The point is, is as Christians, we give because our hearts have been touched by God. That's why we give. Our hearts have been touched by God. Well, Andy, how much do we give? Well, we are a tithing church. In other words, we believe in the biblical practice of tithing. We practice tithing, meaning we give 10%. And I can guarantee you that your church gives away way more than 10%. But we are called to do that. So we give it to Jesus through the local church to fuel his good work through that church. And so I'm inviting you into that. The word tithe simply means a tenth. And it really wasn't a church word when it was first used, but now it has become a church word. You don't hear it very much anywhere else, um, and you don't hear it very much in church, but we'll talk about that in a minute. You don't hear this word very much. You don't go to the restaurant and say, that was really good service. Should we tithe to the waiter? Because you go, no, no, no. I got to give them way more than 10%, right? Absolutely. It's not a word we use, but it simply means a tenth. But it doesn't just mean any tenth. It means the first tenth. The very first part, off the top, we give to the Lord. So let me give you some stats on, uh, you know, on why we need to hear a message about this. Firstly, let me just say, I want to applaud you, church. You gave so consistently during the pandemic. Thank you. You said, I want my church to be strong. I want to support my church. I believe in the church, and I want to do that. And so you did. And through the pandemic, we saw incredible faithfulness from God's people. Good for you. In fact, across North America, especially in the U.S., because most stats come from the U.S., charitable organizations receive 5.1% more than they did the year before. So people said, let's give during a time of need. And you did that too. But let me give you some other stats that will help you understand why this message is important. 5% of church attenders give regularly. 5. 5%. 75 to 90% of church attenders do not tithe. And when it comes to charitable giving of any kind, Canadians give half as much as Americans. The average Canadian Christian gives 1.7% of their income to charity of any kind, and approximately 30% of church attenders give absolutely nothing. And this is why we need to talk about this, because you might say to me, well, how's GT doing? How's Coastline doing? How's this movement doing? Over the years, I would say we've done very well, but we're nowhere near 20% of those that attend actually giving. 
So you can imagine what that means. And the interesting thing about tithing is, who, is when people start tithing, they don't usually stop. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because they see the benefit. They see the benefit all around them. They experience the benefit personally. God blesses obedience. And listen, let me just encourage you with something because this message for me is not like a shame on you church, do better kind of message at all. This is an exciting message because there is great potential in the body of Christ. And so let me share this with you. Do you realize that if Christians in North America alone, not worldwide, just in North America, took seriously their responsibility to simply tithe, we could end world hunger, we could end illiteracy, we could provide clean water, for everyone on the planet. We could fully fund every missionary. We could send every missionary that wanted to go on the field. Every church could own their own building debt-free. Think about that, friends. That's why the Lord wants to unlock this for us, because of the potential of what can happen to the world when the church gets this in their hearts. And here's the thought. Faithful Christians build world-changing churches. And we're faithful. We're faithful people. You know, I, I don't like to use fear as a motivator, and I certainly won't do that today. But all you have to do is look around and say, the time is short. The time is short and the pressure is great. The church needs to be strong internally to withstand the growing pressures that are coming at the church from the outside. Would you agree? Yes, the church needs to be strong and a faithful heart gives generously and starts with a tithe. So some churches don't talk about tithing. The reason why is because maybe they're afraid to address this because it feels like a hot topic. Maybe you've come with a friend uh, for Thanksgiving and, you're, and your friend who brought you is going, oh no, Andy's doing that message. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, folks. But you know, I, fear of stereotypes keeps the church from being the church. We're not worried about stereotypes. We're generous people. We live in the blessing of God, and we're just talking about that blessing and how we steward that blessing. Some Christians argue, I don't tithe. That's an Old Testament law practice. I practice New Testament giving. And I say, great, that's amazing. So you must give way more than 10%, right? I'm excited about the New Testament givers. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus always takes the law and goes up, right? He goes up with it. Think about it. Jesus always goes up. The law says do not murder. Jesus says don't be angry. The law says don't commit adultery. Jesus says don't lust. Jesus always takes it higher. So if you're, if you're saying the law was 10%, where are you going to go from there? And that's when the conversation gets really quiet. I actually got a text from someone, and I just got to read you this text. Here's what it says. This, this just blew me away. It was a quote. It's from Adrian Rogers. And I'll actually give you an Adrian Rogers quote later, but it says this. If a Jew under the law gives more than a believer under grace, that is a disgrace to grace. All I wrote back was, Wow. Because that's a pretty, pretty bold statement. Usually when I talk about money, I, I, people start to get a, a little bit sweaty. But we're all here together, so you're okay, all right? You're just good. The temperature hasn't gone up. And some say Jesus was silent on tithing. And, and I just want to say a few things about that. Firstly, let me just say that it was assumed. 
Tithing was assumed. It was a part of the culture. It was there in the, in the beginning of the church. And Jesus, in his words, in Matthew 23, 23, talks about tithing, and, and, and it's specific. Listen to what he says. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, in other words, a tithe, of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then catch this last phrase. It's really important. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You should. That word should in the Greek is a very strong word. Don't soften that word because it means it's a necessity. You must. That's what that word actually means. And secondly, when we look at Jesus talking to people about money, we see it very clear. He keeps going up. Luke chapter 3 verse 11 says, if you have two tunics, give one away. That's 50%. When Zacchaeus got got his heart right with Jesus, he said, I repent, and today I promise I'm going to give away half of my income. Well, Jesus didn't say, well, actually, Zacchaeus, it's only 10%. You're good, buddy. He said, today salvation has come to this house. That's 50%. The rich young ruler came to Jesus in Mark 10 and, and said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, sell it all. These are radical percentages. In Luke 14, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to lay down your life. That's a pretty big chunk, isn't it? My life. That's everything. And so I wonder what Jesus would say to affluent Canadian Christians who average 1.7%. I have a feeling he wouldn't applaud us, friends. We can do more. And God wants to help us do that for his kingdom's sake. And let's look beyond Jesus. Let's look beyond Jesus. Let's look right into the New Testament grace era. Let's look at the Apostle Paul and the nuanced references about giving. They show up in the same kind of way that Jesus' words show up. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Your giving should be regular and consistent and in keeping with your income. That's percentage. 2 Corinthians 8. Go above and beyond your ability in your giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. Give and God will give you more so that you can give more. Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. You can do that without me asking. I don't mind. The New Testament call to giving keeps going up, but the blessings flow down. And that's what's so good about what we read in God's word. He has you in mind. And sometimes we think I got to keep this. But if we learn the great giveaway, we're going to realize the great blessing of God. I want to be a conduit of God's blessing in his world. That's the church's job. So there's really, if you look at your whole Bible, if you go back to the beginning and look all the way to the end, you're going to find that there are really three biblical eras in your Bible. There's the pre-law, then there's the law where God spoke to Moses, Ten Commandments, all of that. And then there's the New Testament grace era. We just looked at the New Testament grace era. Now let's go backwards. Let's look at the law for just a moment. Well, the law makes it very clear that tithing is an important piece of the life of the follower of God. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart, different from the rest. The tithe is to be treated differently than the rest of your money. Deuteronomy 26 uses really strong language. It says, I have actually removed from my house the sacred portions. In other words, this is so holy to God. I got to get it to God as soon as possible. I got to get it to the temple. I got to get it out of my house. I've removed it from my house. 
And, and the first tenth blesses the rest. When we give that first tenth away and we believe that what God is doing when we do that is God is then free to give us more and to bless what we have. And I just want to tell you, I want to testify that God is faithful. And in our lives as a family, we tithe. And, and what we found is that the 90 goes so much further. I can't even describe it to you. We've seen miracles. We've seen provision. We've seen extra. And there are times where, the God, where God just blesses us as a, a family. And we stop with our children and we say to them, listen, we didn't pay for this. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. Nobody owed it to us. But look at what God has done. Let's be sure to give him praise. This is because we give. Because we give, we can trust God. And when there's a need, we can bring our children together. We can pray. And we can say, God, you know our hearts are to be givers. We give. And so, Lord, we have this need. Meet it so that we can continue to be generous. And that, my friends, is such a gift. What a joy to be in that space with the Lord. So we're still talking about the law. Let's look at kind of that main Kind of, it's a mainstay verse regarding tithing from Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read this for you, and I hope you get excited about it. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And then he says this, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. In other words, I'll keep what is left of yours and I'll bless it and I'll multiply it. And that's what the Lord Almighty says, that then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is a promise that God will do something supernatural with your finances when you tithe. Just try it. Why don't you just try it? Just try it. Because God gives you a money-back guarantee right here in this verse. He really does. He says, test me in it. He invites you. Try it out. See if I don't bless you. And, and uh, I've done this illustration once before, but I want to do it again just to make this, real, this picture really clear for you. All right, so, you know, God says, bring me, the, bring me the tithe. So let's say this represents all that you have, and God says, okay, I'm going to give you potatoes. It's Thanksgiving, potatoes, carrots. Let's go with apples. And I say, okay, God, I'm just going to give you one of these, and I'm going to keep nine. And I'm just going to, you know, this, God, this is your table over here. I'm going to make sure, first things first, I'm going to give to you, and I'm going to give you a cucumber. I'm going to give you some apples, bananas, carrots. I'm going to give you an onion, Anybody like onions? I love onions? Oh, she loves onions. Good, good, good. And what's this thing called? You don't know? Anybody know what this is? Squash. Squ it's a squash. Okay, well, you, you, you keep nine squash and you give one squash to God. Uh, I know what these are. I'm keeping the pineapple. That's good. No, no, I got to give it to God. One to God. I get to keep nine pineapples. You see, I want you to see the picture here. The picture of bounty. That's, this is a cornucopia, a Thanksgiving cornucopia of blessing. Thank you, Pastor Luke. One more. One more. Oh, and voila. Thank you, team. Thank you so much. Now, look at this table. Come on, guys. God's not a taskmaster. 
God's not tough on us. This is all his. And he says, you get to keep this. Just give me that. And part of the major problem that we're facing as a culture and as a church is we want to eat off of this table. This is a problem. Listen, money can be a spiritual stronghold. What would happen if God broke off those stingy spirits in us? What would happen if God released us to say, I'll never eat off of your table, God. Look what you've given me. Look at this, Lord. I'll eat here. Because you know what that does? And that gets me excited. Because at some point, if you focus on this, you say, no, no, that's God's. That's gone. This is mine. All of a sudden, you go like, oh, kingdom builders. Oh, we want to do some missions work. We want to build God's church. We, I'm going to give, these bananas are pretty ripe. I'm going to give these. This, they're going to expire. Somebody's got to eat these bananas. Here you go, God. All of a sudden, it gets so exciting about what we're going to do with this. And I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next week's message. But you get it. Look what God has done. Doesn't this illustration make sense? God says, just give me this. And I will bless all of it. All of it. And my house will have food in it. My house will be full. The priests will be looked after. Everything is going to be the way that it ought to be. And so we see this picture here. It's so rich. Dave Ramsey said, if you can't live on 90, you can't live on 100. And I want my 90. I want the blessed 90, not the stingy 100. (laughs) Because the blessed 90 does so much more. Amen? That's what I want. That's what I want. Wow. Here's my Adrian Rogers quote for you. Give to God what is right, not what is left. Don't give God your leftover half-eaten eggplant and call it a blessing to the Lord. Call it a true gift to honor God, right? Church, let's refuse to give God from what's left. Let's give him the best. Let's say off the top, the first one goes to God. And in doing that, we're going to be blessed. And we're going to watch in amazement as God blesses everything that we have. Because a faithful heart gives generously to fuel his church. It's not the law. This, what you see right here, is not the law. This predates the law. This is the blessing. This is understanding what God does and what God gives. You see, pre-law, we see it with Abraham. Abraham goes to battle to rescue his nephew Lot, who had fallen into the hands of an evil king and been carried off. And, and Abraham was by far the underdog. He went with a few of his guys, and he went and fought, and he, he was actually able to bring Lot back and bring back a bunch of spoils. And so he took the 100% of what he had, and God came to visit him in the form of Melchizedek, who was a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus. And what did Abraham do? He said, I want to bless God. God, I was the underdog, and yet you blessed me. You gave me victory. So here you go. I'm giving a tenth to Melchizedek just to bless God. I'm giving a tenth to the priest of God who ministered to me, and I'm going to give him a tithe. And people ask me, where should I tithe? Do it like Abraham. Give your tithe in the place where you worship God. Give your tithe in the church that ministers to you. This is what I do, and I've been blessed because of it. And I want you to know that when you give 
to your church, when you give to Coastline Church, I want you to understand, we take that responsibility to steward that so seriously. We know that it's God's money. We know, and we will be faithful and accountable to you and to the Lord. We promise you that. But I want to move the conversation now, because although this is a true point and the blessing of God is important, please, let's move away from anything that motivates us through just being transactional. I do this and God does that. Can we now move the conversation? I want you to think of love. Think of love. You're in love with your Savior. He's done so much for you. And Jesus said, your Savior said, I will build my church. In other words, my church is important to me. I'm going to make sure that it is built. And listen, if the church is important to him, shouldn't it be important to us as well? Shouldn't it be us? I'm simply saying, Jesus, since you love and gave to build the church, I'll do that too. Why? Because I love what you love, and you love your church, and I'm going to be a part of it. So when you give your tithe with that heart, you learn a secret. And the secret is this, that your tithe is a beautiful picture of worship. And for some of you, it's louder than your voice. It's louder than your praise. It's louder than your worship with your mouth and with your posture. That's a loud, loud worship because it's sacrificial. I want you to think about the story of the first two brothers we read about in the Bible, Cain and Abel. And the Bible says that Cain and Abel both brought sacrifices to God, and God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. So Cain got mad and killed his brother Abel. And in Hebrews chapter 11, this story is expounded upon, and there's some interesting language here. It says in Hebrews 11:4, by faith, Abel brought to God a better offering than Cain did. The word better here is key because it refers to a number, a bulk, or a weight of something. I want you to get that picture, a number, a bulk, or a weight. In other words, what Abel said is, God, I'm giving you a bulk. I'm giving you a weight. I'm giving you a number. If you will, I'm giving you a tithe. I'm giving you a portion, and it is bulky, weighty, substantial. And Cain said, you can have just a little bit. And Abel's worship was accepted. And when you give your tithe, it represents something substantial. I just want to acknowledge that. What I'm asking you to do, what I'm calling you to do, what God's word calls you to do is substantial. It represents true sacrifice. It is something that requires things, other things being left behind. It requires saying no to something. Tithing represents a true cost and it's a faithful heart that worships God in this way. And some people will say to me, you know, I just, I don't want to do that. And I guess my response would be, yeah, but this is your God. He gave it all. He saved you. He gave you his son. And he's showing you. He's showing you how to worship him in a way that's acceptable to him. Let's do this together. Let's make it an act of worship. This image makes sense, friends. Some of you would say, well, why 10%? Why does the Bible use that as the number? Shouldn't I give more? Shouldn't I give less? Well, in the Bible, the number 10 is represented as the number of testing. There's 10 commandments. There were 10 plagues. When Jacob was under his father-in-law Laban, the Bible says that 10 times 
you changed my wages, Laban, yet I never stole from you. It's the number of testing. Your tithe becomes a heart test. God, I love you. I want to pass the test. And even if I have to downsize or realign things, I'll do it because I love you and I want to worship you. And I know that a faithful heart passes the test. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, church, that you'll see the blessing in making that better offering that Abel made. Can I pray with you just for a moment now? Why don't we just bow together? Uh, God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for this Thanksgiving Sunday. And Lord, even just having this table full up here, it just creates such a beautiful picture for us of how bountiful and blessed we really are. And Lord, all this food is going to be distributed to our, our mini markets and people will be blessed. This is just another part of the outreach, but we get to see it today. And Lord, I, I just thank you for how generous and gracious you are with us. And today, Lord, I, I just pray for those that are already tithing. I pray that they would be greatly encouraged today and that they could just believe in their heart that others are joining them in the faithfulness to carry the load and to bless your house. And Lord, I pray for those ones who are saying, Andy, I just, I never even knew this. Lord, I pray that they just feel your grace poured out over them. That they would just, they would just sense that, well, I can start where I am and I have this, this new joyful journey of next steps in my giving. It's beautiful, Lord. And God, I also pray for those who have just said, for one reason or another, I can't prioritize my giving in this way. And I just pray for them, Lord, that they might see it through the eyes of love versus transaction and obligation. Jesus, you're so worthy. You're so worthy of our praise. Help us to praise you, Lord. Help us to praise you with our offerings. So God, may we have a heart that's touched by God. May we, may we together understand that a faithful heart gives generously. And maybe you're here today and you, just as we continue to pray, you're here and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Listen, let me tell you this. God was so generous that he sent his only son. That's how generous he is. He literally poured out the life of his son for you. That's the kind of generous God that you want to serve. He loves you. And he gives you this incredible gift, the gift of his son. So would you receive that today? If you're here today and you say, I haven't received Christ as my savior. I haven't turned my life over to Jesus. Listen, I want to invite you to do that now. Just simply say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for being God in my life. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for a brand new start. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, thank you for coming in to my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So church, just as I, I finish, I just, just want to say, I did this illustration before in 2017. And after I, I did this illustration, um, someone came to me and said, I need to catch up. And there was a, a check given, a catch-up check. There was a sense in their heart. They just, that's what they wanted to do. And I just want you to know uh, at that point, I wouldn't have been able to 
tell this part of the story, but now I've watched their life since 2017 and I see the blessing. I see the multiplication. I see the outpouring of God's goodness in their family and in their finances. They're blessed. And I really believe that it comes back to that moment where he said, I'll live on the 90. God, you can have the 10. So may God inspire you and encourage you and bless you because he has good things for you and his church.